When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. What's new, pussycats? That's right, we're back at Draft Vice. Uh, and today we're doing a couple of lovely uh, kitten-flavored teams, right? And we're doing the Carolina Panthers. But before we get on to the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule and Dave Tepper and Marty Herney, we're going to do the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And their number one overall pick, and they picked at the top of each round. They did not trade down. And uh, but unfortunately, I felt like we had. A, I, I felt like I couldn't just do this on my own, right? So I brought on a guest, a friend, if you will. He's been on the show before. He was supposed to be on t an, an, another episode or two. The problem was is that I'm an idiot. But uh, hey, you know what? Uh, outside of uh, the the two episodes he should have been on and the two episodes he's already been on, let's welcome onto the show, Mr. Kobe Rich. So uh, thank you for having me. How you doing? Good. You? Yeah, I'm alright. So, uh, yeah, I had you on to, to discuss the Eagles. I screwed up. You did amazing. Just I am an idiot as things go. Uh, so instead of doing the uh, instead of doing the Eagles and the Ravens, like the, who needs birds? We'll go with the the, the Tiger uh, team. We'll go with the Bengals. And as such, uh, the the number one overall pick in this draft. How did you feel about their draft as a whole? Like we'll just go right off the top and we'll kind of start spreading through the whole team and what they've done. Well, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. He's actually my uh, my screensaver on my phone. I don't know <laughs> if that's going to come up. But uh, I loved him at LSU. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's about his arm strength, but I think his leadership and his athleticism and everything else overcomes that. And I think he's a no-brainer first overall pick, so they didn't. They didn't mess up that one like we might expect the Bengals to. Yeah, I think it was a little overblown about the the arm strength there, especially because if you you know if you have an NFL level arm, this is the same question people have with Tua, right? Like, oh, does Tua have a strong enough arm? Does Burrow have a strong enough arm? We've seen guys have not rocket launcher arms do really well in the NFL. Um, yeah. You know, for instance, you know t uh, Tony Romo was decent in the NFL, didn't have a rocket launcher of an arm. Uh, Andy Dalton, the guy who Joe Burrow's replacing, has been pretty good. Uh, there's just a uh, Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't say it has the strongest arm in the world, and and now maybe you want to go up to like one of the higher up elite guys. I don't you know. Tom Brady's had a good arm, but he's never like you know he, he's and also having arm strength is kind of like it's it's relative, right? Yeah, it's not. Like we've been we've been as the years have gone on. Strong arm may have been 40 yards, then 50 yards, and now Patrick Mahomes can throw 75, and anyone who can't do that is considered a short arm. Exactly. And not only that, but it's like, uh, for instance, really what arm strength gets you is the velocity on the, the short and intermediate routes. And it, if there's anybody questioning Joe Burrow on short and intermediate routes, I, I want to know their name because I, I don't think anybody's ever questioned him on that ability. So, the like, yeah, is he going to be able like to do the Carson Wentz thing where he's about to, his knee's about to touch the ground and he launches it in midair? He doesn't even have feet on the ground and throws it 50 yards? Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. But I, it doesn't sound like that's the tool in his belt. But it, it, there's other tools. Like, again, as a quarterback, you don't only have one tool. Like, Lamar Jackson has different tools in his belt. And uh, I, I liked Burrow. I liked his athleticism. I liked the his pocket uh, presence was very good. He knows how to read a defense. He's probably one of the few guys coming out of college who actually dealt with like le like high level defenses and actually had to carry a team sometimes. Yeah, my I only real concern with him, and it's not a big one because you can't put that on him, is he had an incredible supporting cast. That entire offense is now on an NFL roster. He had a, all the time in the world to throw the ball. I think it was one play. I want to say against Georgia. Mm -hmm. in the SEC championship where he had like 11 seconds to throw a ball and he of course he threw a touchdown but still that's not going to happen in the NFL I don't think that's a knock on him I think that's more just a credit to his teammates but I we'd like to see how he's going to fare against the not so perfect Bengals line absolutely I honestly didn't think the LSU offensive line was all that great uh, I didn't think Sadiq Charles was all that good I thought 
uh, Damian Lewis and Cushenberry were actually maybe better fit for different schemes than what they were in, and they weren't necessarily the best pass-blocking interior alignment. They were very good run blockers and very good run blocking. And again, the, the tackle situation, even at the LSU level, like I did not think Sadiq Charles was all that great. I just did the Red, uh, the Washington uh, team the other day, and I was kind of like, uh, I watched Sadiq Charles's tape. You guys are basically replacing Trent Williams with a trash can. Not that I, I think, I think Sadiq Charles can improve, but I just did not think, even at the level that they were playing at, that he was like. I don't. I'm not saying he's a trash can. I, I think Sadiq Charles, if he gains a little bit of weight, like his technique's good, but I didn't think like he he needed a little bit more junk in the trunk, if you will. So he, yeah, he need- and it's not like he's not. It's not that he's gonna. I'm sorry. It's not like he's gonna be uh, lacking receivers in Cincinnati. He's got T. Higgins. He's got uh, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and if John Ross can ever get healthy, they got him. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not like he's going to be wanting for targets, like not like he was at LSU. And LSU obviously had the three, the three great receivers, but I think he's going to have a similar receiving core in Cincinnati. Yeah, and I think the other thing is is being able to watch what he did when he didn't have time. He extended plays. He moved around. I actually think the best weapon that he had, he had two great weapons. He had Jamar Chase, and I thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was like, you know, there were three drivers in that offense. Like, I've been pretty vocal about I wasn't a huge Justin Jefferson fan. I think he's a good player. But Jamar Chase is a driver. Joe Burrow is a driver. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a driver in those offenses, and that's why I really liked Joe Burrow is you could just see him avoiding the pressure and moving around and making time for his guys and having good chemistry with everybody. I, I can definitely see him going to the NFL and being very good. It kind of reminds me a bit of like when Baker Mayfield came out where you had a guy who – and honestly, I think he has a better – at least one season that's better than like his his best season is probably the better than any other quarterback that's ever come out of college. Definitely, yes. So, and then you also look at who he did it against. He did it in the SEC. He constantly he went and did it in the college football championship. There was not a moment on tape this year that made everybody go, "Well, that's that's clearly not what a uh, what a high end uh, quarterback in the NFL looks like." He did everything really well. I was I I appreciated his game. I love watching his game. I think that LSU offense was fun to watch. I think that that was like uh that was the other spark to it. Especially after Tua got injured, you literally only had one like, oh my god, this is electric offense at at certain point. And then their defense was good too. Yeah, which is, you know, you don't always get that with the other quarterbacks that come out like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray back-to-back were Oklahoma QBs. Oklahoma's not exactly renowned for its defense, so they they were always putting up a lot of touchdowns and stats and everything because they had to outrun their defense. Yeah, and then also, uh, well, even so, with the Kyler Murray uh, Baker Mayfield thing, they're also not going up against as much like good defensive competition. Like, you know, that's why people you know make a big deal about certain conferences, how often you play power, how much you play, uh, you know, power five schools, how much you play the SEC. So, you know, that's why I think Burrow. I, I again, I think this is probably the the easiest eval to come out in years as far as this guy's definitely got at least enough skills to be a good quarterback. I do question whether I like Zach Taylor because I think he's kind of Captain Mayonnaise over there. He, I swear, I hated watching his press conferences. He just seems like a jar of mayonnaise doing an interview, which I don't know if you've ever interviewed mayonnaise, but it's not really, it's it's never very fun. It never gives you the answer you want. It's very like, okay, you're congealing now. I get it. So, uh, but, okay, listen, you mentioned T. Higgins before and wide receiver weapons. What did you think about the T. Higgins pick? I liked it. I thought he was a first rounder for most of the year. I know with the rise of Jefferson and uh, Ruggs that he kind of got pushed down a little bit and Rager was picked over him and Ayuk was picked over him. But I think the fact that he went first pick of the second round, you can basically call that another first rounder. He's big. He can has an incredible catch radius and he made a lot of plays at Clemson. And I think that's just from, to go from Trevor Lawrence to Joe Burrow is a pretty good transition for T Higgins. And I think with he can learn from AJ Green. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Zach Taylor made a point in his press conference about how uh, he he actually, although he didn't really make the point, one of the reporters made the point of, hey, wasn't he catching passes from Joe Burrow in the offseason? And he was, but apparently Zach Taylor was like, yeah, we don't know how many passes he was catching. That wasn't why we did it. They they liked him. They actually felt like he was a first-rounder. They were very excited to get him. Uh, they were very. He was very high on their board. Uh, he has a good catch radius, like you know, and uh, and good hands, which is what they liked about him. I actually thought his route running was—he didn't have to run. He didn't run a like a, an enormous route tree, but I thought his route—I thought his his route running was pretty decent for a guy who didn't do that. I also felt like 
he was very versatile. So you like look at certain certain receivers and where they can play along the line of scrimmage. For instance, the guy who went right after him was Michael Pittman. I love Michael Pittman. Thought he was an elk. He reminds me of Mike Williams on the on the Chargers. So the difference though that I saw was I don't think you're running him out of the slot. I don't think you're running Michael Pittman. You know, in in certain uh, like you're not running like crossing routes with Michael Pittman. He's a very certain type of receiver. I think what T. Higgins does very well, A, he's really good at the intermediate level, which, hello, that's great. Uh, like, to be able to do that, especially in that offense, you know, like that's what they're attacking is the intermediate areas of the field, and also what Joe Burrow does very well. It's kind of you are matching two guys who work very well together. My only problem with it was they have A.J. Green, they have Tyler Boyd, and they have John Ross. John Ross, they just – uh, rejected his fifth-year option. They're not, they declined it, so he's got one more year with the team. Maybe they extend him afterwards, but they did not feel, especially as a top-ten pick, it's an expensive fifth-year option. They did not feel as of this moment they felt like they had to keep him, so they declined the fifth-year option. You have a lot of guys on that roster who are very similar. Like, honestly, T. Higgins, his floor or his, like, what his, uh, I feel like his medium or to, like his floor to medium spot for me in the NFL is actually Tyler Boyd. So you have two of those guys on the roster, which, I mean, it's not like a horrible thing, but those guys are, they're decent enough route runners. They're they're good enough hands. Like, honestly, uh, very... Now, again, you saw this maybe with Zach Taylor when he was under McVay, where he had Woods and, uh, and Cooper Cup with both guys are good hands, good route runners, and they're kind of playing to the middle of the field. But I felt like there's just... The ability; those two guys are so similar. I felt a little weird by that pick, especially because you also have AJ Green, who's not really a burner anymore. Like he's not; I don't think he was ever a super burner, but he was. He had speed to him. Not and none of those three guys really make me feel worried, like about them stretching the field. You see, what I think the mentality behind that pick was mm-hmm. was John Ross is unreliable. I don't think he's going to be on the team after this. Obviously, with it, with them declining the fifth year option. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, I think, is always best in the slot. And I think at the moment, while that might be true for T. Higgins, I think that he's raw enough that you can kind of mold him how you want. So I think that if you're going to mold him into a future A.J. Green, mm-hmm. with, I think A.J. Green's health in concern, in question, even with him coming back, I think you, you're you're building yourself a future A.J. Green, and you're going to just take T. Higgins from the slot and put him outside and maybe look to receiver in the second or third round next year to get the third guy. That's true. That actually sounds like a good plan. Uh, maybe you're actually on the staff, and I didn't know. And now you're you're here to sell me on this Bengals roster, uh, which is good because I I have a little bit of biases against the Bengals. Oh, actually, out of all the other AFC North teams, I feel like the Browns and the Bengals it's it's not really as hostile as say like the the Browns and the Steelers or the Bengals and the Steelers, or even the yeah because the Bengals have never been much of a threat really. Neither of the Browns for the most part. I think they're coming back now. Both teams have the potential to come back and be pretty good in the next couple of years. But before that, they were kind of both. No offense, the cellar dwellers, so there's not as much hatred there. Well, even, like, so pre-2000, right? Like, pre-2000, like, pre-96, the Browns were kind of like the... The Ravens. They were the the well, you know, they were pretty good. They were the the high-end ones. They they were the ones going to the playoffs. But they were kind of like where the Bengals were a couple years ago, where, like, the Bengals, like, when they had Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, the decent offensive line with Zeitler and Whitworth, where they were a constant playoff team. So I I just never felt like they, they were, like, crossing each other, like, but also it just feels like there's a little bit more animosity between some of these teams. Like, again, the Steelers seem nobody likes like the Steelers. Oh, yeah. And again, with the Browns and the Ravens, there's the history of it. The fans you know, of, of the Browns are like, dude, that, that Super Bowl was our Super Bowl. Like, those are our players, and now they're over in, in Baltimore. And now like that, there's that little bit of, at least for people who live in Cleveland who had a rope with that, that, uh, with that history, that's something I know a lot of them – like have the resentment towards so there's more history between those other teams whereas with the Bengals and the Browns there's actually a similar you know there's a there's a tree from it the 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 coach from the Browns started the Bengals there's a little bit more a little bit more camaraderie or kindness even though there's you know trades between division rivals still kind of a a weird thing but so again the the T Higgins pick uh you like it a lot I like it I feel like there's other guys who I might have went for but again I'm not designing their offense so Zach Taylor's the one designing, or whoever's the next coach. Joe uh, Joe Brady will probably be the one designing their offense, which will actually probably be the same <laughs> offense, to be honest. 
But uh, yeah, once they fire Captain Mayonnaise, uh, they will uh, they will probably bring in a, a decent head coach. Now maybe Captain Mayonnaise bulks up and becomes General Mayonnaise and becomes better. Uh, but we'll, I don't know. I, again, they. I'm not. I'm not impressed. I wasn't impressed with him last year. But maybe it also sounded like they were like, you know what? There's this guy Joe Burrow coming out. Let's tank and get him. And they ended up doing it. It seems like. Let's. Uh, any last thoughts on uh, on uh, Higgins? Because I know Higgins. They, you know, again, they, the one thing they they did mention was that they, he comes from a winning program, and they you know they got to be around Dabo Sweeney, and Sweeney went ahead and vouched for him. So, any last thoughts on the guy? Nope. Just I think it was a solid pick. Yeah, solid pick. Good pick. Um, you know, again, you don't know how much they really like had offers to go ahead and trade down or anything like that. Uh, the other guy they drafted on day two was Logan Wilson, uh, out of, uh, Wyoming, right? Uh, linebacker, uh, decent athleticism, but again, he's playing, he's playing in a, a conference that's not really like, uh, a high-end conference, former wide receiver and defensive back, was at the Senior Bowl, so they got a chance to meet with him. Uh, they didn't coach him at the Senior Bowl. He was on the other team, but they did get you know an opportunity to meet with him, interview him before the game. So it seems like they put a lot of value in that, which I, it's, I do feel like this year, especially if you were at the Senior Bowl, you got a gold star because, again, everybody was like, oh, I got more time to, I got more time to be face-to-face with this guy. So a lot of Senior Bowl prospects, I think, got pushed up the board. This one especially, I feel like for they they really liked him. Uh, what did you think of the pick with Logan Wilson? All right, well, I'm gonna make a comparison here. Who's the last Pacific Northwest-ish small school linebacker who's known for smarts and maybe not as much as athleticism to come out and be good in the NFL? Uh, there's a few of those. I'm trying to think of the one. I know a couple of guys come out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin ends up having a few linebackers I'm every going, year. But... I'm going to go with Leighton Vanderesh. Ah, the Boise State. Yeah. I think he's a similar player. I think he's a solid, smart, maybe not the most athletic, but knows what he's doing on the field and will get there type of linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think he's the kind of guy you want to captain your defense in the future. I definitely think that's their plan there. I think, and that's kind of how they spoke him. They were very high on him. They felt like he he probably should have went higher, but they were they were targeting him. They were very happy that he got to them at sixty, I think sixty six, so or sixty five. So what, uh, they were very happy that he got to them. They really liked T Higgins. They really liked Joe Burrow. Uh, and again, they, this is a team that's had some questions at linebacker over the years. And they they've needed to kind of fill out that roster. Like they haven't had a decent linebacker in that room. Like they had Nick Vigil there last year. Now he's kind of more of a backup level, like third linebacker kind of guy. Uh, Vontez Perfect. Like okay, you want the guy breaking heads? At least they're afraid of your linebacker. Like they might get mugged by him on the field. But like again, like I I, I they haven't had a good linebacker. Of course, sounds like this draft that was one of the like the. It might not have been the intention, but that's what it looks like because there's not he's not the only linebacker they took. In fact, they took two other ones. Um, any thoughts on those two guys? Because they took uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, who was actually their next pick, top of the fourth round, a uh, more athletic guy. Again, another small schooler coming out of App State. And they also took a seventh-round pick on uh, Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. Would yeah, you... So I think that the mentality behind all these, and I just want to say that being a college football player – college football fan Marcus Bailey is one of my favorite players just because he's a he's a gritty smart semi-athletic guy kind of like he's he's the he's a big 10 linebacker it's what you expect mm-hmm. um and I love those guys but I think that the mentality behind these things is you got to slow down the Ravens running game that's yes. the idea here long term you might not be the best team next year you're not going to be but your offense is looking pretty solid your defense is the defense that Lamar had put in the spin cycle so I think that Wilson especially, but the other two as well. You need someone who's going to be able to run laterally with Lamar and snuff out any any rushing plays, like see it before it happens and get there, because otherwise he's going to run all over you. Uh, yeah, and having multiple athletic linebackers definitely helps trying to take away that uh, that running element to his game. They And they also added to that defense in free agency. They went after Mackenzie Alexander uh, and Trey Waynes out of uh, – out of uh, the Vikings. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to say the Vikingsburg. But, that, yeah, Minnesota is the right words out of that. Um, so, yeah, they went for those guys. So they got some defensive backs back there as well. They definitely seem like the the defense was a big deal here. 
Uh, they, I like their edge rushers, though. I do like some of their D-line. In fact, they let Andrew Billings, their, their nose tackle, leave in free agency. But a lot of the other D-linemen, Hubbard, they seem to be very high on. You know, they've had Carlos Dunlap for years. Obviously, you got Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins. Uh, Carl Lawson, when he's been healthy and been on the field, he was a steal that they got in the fourth round. So they seem to, they do have a good, interesting defense. Like uh, they've never, although they've been having problems stopping the run the last couple of years, they they've been a very solid defense. And part of that might be, you know, scheme and linebackers. And as they, you know, get more guys in there, they might be able to compete for a spot and maybe fix some of the problems that they had when you know Lamar Jackson made them all look like they weren't actually football players. Uh, they also took a uh, edge rusher, uh, Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame and, uh, not, not a big name, probably more of a, uh, hope he fills a role kind of guy. Uh, you know, again, and then actually in this draft, they took guys, three guys from the senior bowl. Like I mentioned before, that seemed like a big target of theirs. Like, Hey guys that we got to meet with guys we get to know two of them. They didn't really coach. Like I, I know Wilson, they didn't get to coach. I don't remember which other one they didn't get to actually play with. Um, but again, interviews we got done with them, and they also took Hakeem Adeniji out of Kansas. is a tackle has tackle guard uh, flexibility. I actually thought they'd go offensive line earlier, especially with the guys who were in this draft and how deep this draft was. What do you think? I think that they're counting on Jonah Williams to come back and be a big part of the offensive line at left tackle, kind of protect protect uh, Burrow's blind side. But I think Adeniji can probably play anywhere on that offensive line where you need him. He's a four year starter. He's, uh, that means you generally know what you're doing. You're smart. You know how to be an offensive lineman. Uh, he's athletic. He's strong. I think that you can put him pretty much anywhere besides center because that's obviously a different skill set. But put him anywhere else, and you can lock down both sides of your line. And not only that, but uh, I think they, they feel comfortable at center. They have Trey Hopkins there. Uh, they did draft Billy Price to be their center. That didn't work out. But uh, they they locked out with a, a little bit of diamond in the, the rough kind of deal with Trey Hopkins. Um, Billy Price might be competing for a guard spot, or he might be traded away for a, a conditional seventh round pick next year. We don't know. Um, so, but again, that O line's very much in flux. And again, it seemed like there was an attack in this draft for some teams to go after certain O linemen to help fill out their rosters. I was more shocked that they didn't try to do that, just because again, you get a rookie quarterback. One of your biggest problems last year was your O line. You get rid of Cordy Glenn. Um, because Cordy Glennon and the the team did not seem to get along, and neither did his concussions get along with the team. But uh, they they seem to have been targeting still like, all right, we're we're gonna go linebacker. They didn't really they got one tackle slash guard. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this roster going into this year. To be honest, how do you feel about it? Well, I think that yes, they probably should have gone line earlier, but I think that they just saw guys that were higher on their board that they probably didn't expect to fall to them and had to take them like just you can't pass some of these guys up i think if you can get to higgins second round maybe maybe not that one but if you can get logan wilson third round yeah i think they just couldn't bear to pass it up and uh identity is a probably not worthy of a sixth round pick i'd say he should have gone earlier so i consider it a steal and i think they probably could have gotten him or should have gotten him earlier but the fact that they didn't makes it excusable um, with the roster in general, um, I think that their offense is going to be a pretty high-powered offense considering where they were last year. And, yes, defense is going to be a struggle, mm -hmm. uh, especially just because of the conference they're in and their schedule. But I think that they can grind out probably between four and six wins, which is a, an improvement. My question is, does Zach Taylor survive that? If he only gets four wins this year, is, is, Mike, is Brown okay? Is Mike Brown fine with them losing – uh, having another losing season, you know, after he got rid of, uh, you know, everybody was making fun of Marvin Lewis for never being able to seal the deal, but at least a guy who got them to the playoffs consistently. Now you get this new guy, a young guy who you're hoping to kind of like, I, I, I think the intention with going after Zach Taylor was try to go for a rising star before anybody else goes for him and get him on the cheap. That would seem to be the plan here. Now you're hoping that that's the case. Now his star will shine through the mustard and mayonnaise, and eventually he'll rise up to be a true ham sandwich. Uh, I don't know why. I, I'm not even hungry right now, but I'm using a lot of food metaphors describing Zach Taylor. In fact, Zach Taylor ham. There we go. 
Uh, I didn't even think about that. That why is that not uh, one of the the things I've said so far? So anyway, uh, I, and I liked. I listen. I think that that I think you're right about one thing. They went for the guys who were highest on their board, who they felt were falling values. Right, Akeem Davis, Gaithers, athletic linebacker, probably more of a will. Logan Wilson going to be the the quarterback, the future quarterback of your defense. Uh, you know, and again, positions where you had needs anyway, but also uh, players who you felt very highly about. Uh, I'm. And I think with that in mind, uh, I still I think I kind of agree with you, though, that this is a team that's not going to have a winning record. They're in a rough division. Uh, they And there's pieces missing that I think are going to make it hard for them to be a high-powered offense. I know that they were saying, we don't want to pick in the top 10 again next year or number one overall next year. I don't think that <laughs> – I think they're picking in the top ten next year. That's at least my opinion on it. That's what I could yeah. see so far. And I, I, that's not me being mean or rude about it as, like, as, a, as a division rival. I just – I think there are pieces missing. I think it is a, a roster that's on the rise, and what they need to do is keep adding to it. And I at least like what they did in the offseason of adding pieces. You know, they actually were active in free agency a little bit. Um. And again, I like I like their safety core. Uh, is Evans the, is the safety over there? Good free safety. Uh, and as they add more pieces to them, it's it's going to get better. And and now maybe the the idea is listen, maybe we're going to take a loss this year. We'll be high next year. We'll get another piece on that offensive line. I I don't like Bobby Hart as your starting right tackle. Uh, that's kind of the big worry for me. But uh, any like any final thoughts on this draft as far as what they did in, or this team as far as what they did in free agency or anything that the, they should be doing maybe going into the future as far as like listen we're still kind of in a weak spot we should probably do X Y Z. Well, I just wanted to address your earlier point about Zach Taylor surviving or not surviving a four to six winish season. I think mm-hmm. that it all is hinging on how Joe Burrow does. If Joe Burrow does well and the reason they lose is just defense, yeah then I think he gets in at least one more year. If Joe Burrow is constantly under pressure and is constantly pulling turf out of his face mask, I think Zach Taylor's gone after this year. But I do have a slightly bold prediction. I think that they are not going to be last in their division. I think either the Steelers, which is my more likely candidate for this, hmm. or by a long shot, the Browns are going to be last. I think it's the Steelers. Don't don't yell at me. I think it's the Steelers, <laughs> but I think that they might be third. I wouldn't yell at you. Believe me, I, 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 given the Browns' record over the years, I definitely understand why people would think that. Um, but keep in mind, I think the Browns had an idiot for a head coach last year, and they, they went six and ten. So, <laughs> given the given the state, I can't imagine Stefanski's worse. So. No. Maybe the the I I think I'm more leaning maybe towards the Steelers. I think the I do actually think the Bengals, only because it just seems like the roster that there's not a true complete strength. Right, I can at least point to the Steelers defense. Right, the Steelers defense last yeah. year played out of their mind. Um, I do think the offense is going to have a lot of question marks next year for the Steelers. Right, they you know. Ben Roethlisberger coming back. Does he come back from Tommy John very well? They seem to have a, a thing going on with Juju Smith-Schuster where they, they're they probably not going to re-sign him and that there's going to be a falling out with the team or something, and maybe they trade him even for a pick. Uh, you know, they got a lot of young receivers in that receiving core, and, uh, and they lost Ramon Foster. So, again, more and more on that offense is kind of depleting. They no longer have Munchak. Um, they feel good about the team. But I feel like it's a team that it's there. There's not the only thing I like about the Steelers though is the defense. Now defense can fall apart, right? They lost Javon Hargraves to free agency, went to the Eagles. Uh, there again, the they still have Cam Hayward. They got Bud Dupree. They but Bud Dupree's on the franchise tag, so even that's a thing that can you know that could be fluid. He could you know they could trade him. Uh, he might hold out and not be as good of a player into the year. The The main player on their rosters who, who seems to be the future of that roster is T.J. Watt is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Even I'm going to say T.J. Watt is really good. So, um, again, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks for giving your thoughts. Uh, I apologize again for the audio issues the last time. Don't worry. And uh, I appreciate your thoughts on this. Again, I think this is a... 
I, I, I appreciate the opinion. I, I like the uh, the perspective that you're giving me here. And I kind of, you know, maybe the maybe I do get surprised. I just don't see the Bengals having a true thing that they are uniformly good at, unless I am shocked by their offensive line. By the way, love Joe Mixon. Have my fantasy team every year. Yeah, so, I like him too. I'm a, after Michigan. It's an it's a home. I'm an Oklahoma fan, so Mixon was pretty good. Mixon is, and that's why, like again, I, I like Mixon. I think Mixon is one of those those running backs that, even if you have a bad O line, and we've seen this, they've had a bad O line. He does make them look pretty decent. Um, he's kind of the next. He's probably like that next coming a Le'Veon Bell kind of level player. The problem is they just have not given him enough to be that level good. I. I still have my qualms and questions with Zachary Taylor. Uh, but apparently, and maybe it was the formula this year. That's why they went this direction with it. Uh, then, Thanks again for coming on. Uh, thanks uh, again. It's Kobe Rich, everybody. And uh, again, maybe I'll talk to you soon. And thank you. Thank you again, Kobe, for coming on once again. You know, very, very good job. Uh, again, you should have been on for the Eagles and Baltimore Ravens episodes. But uh, hey, you know. I'm an idiot. Anyway, let's move on uh, to the Carolina Panthers, right? Uh, once again, thank you, Kobe. Carolina Panthers, headed by Matt Rule and uh, Marty Herney and Dave Tepper, the trio, the, the triumvirate, if you will. And uh, here they are. They, you know, Marty Herney, uh, you know, Dave Tepper goes ahead. He gets rid of Ron Rivera. He's keeping on Marty Herney for a while, but he goes ahead and gets a college head coach in Matt Rule. And I, you know, I was a little skeptical at first about Matt Rule, right? Uh, you know, I was like, you know, uh, he's a college coach. Well, you know, he's maybe well, he was coaching the NFL one or two years at O line. And then, like, you know, I actually like the interviews with this guy. I like, I like hearing him speak. He seems like he really believes in his players. He has a, a decent amount of investment in them. So I kind of like how this guy's going about it. Um, and he stayed connected with all of his players. And I think this is common for college coaches, right? You're, you're developing guys, so you build a different kind of relationship than, say, when you're in the NFL, and it's a working relationship. And not that it's not a working relationship in college, but you've built a different kind of relationship. It's a mentorship a lot of the times, and it feels like a lot of they, they get more invested sometimes. It felt like he was very invested in his players, and he's looking to do that here, which I think is an interesting mentality, right? One of the things Matt Rule says, it's... It, it's it's a uh, very uh, you'd be amazed at the things you do when you aren't worried about what other people think of you. It was kind of to that extent. And I thought that was a very keen uh, thought process. He's not really worried about his you know his reputation in the NFL because he really didn't have one. So uh, as we get into this, let's go ahead. We'll get into the draft. Then we'll go a little bit into their free agency and their roster. But uh, right off the bat, you know, first round pick, right? Pick number seven overall. They take Derek Brown out of Auburn. Uh, very big, uh, high motivated leader, politi political aspirations. They mentioned political aspirations. I was a little bit shocked by that. Not shocked because I don't think an NFL player. I just was like, oh, already? Wow. Dude, man, like right into the NFL, and I'm like, next I'm going to be a senator. It's like, awesome, man. Good on you. I like that. I like that in a player. I like that in a person, right? Like, it's just like they, they have a plan, and they have a place where they want to go, and this guy has ideas, and I like that, man. Um, so, yeah, he was dominant at Auburn. Matt Rule mentions how he's a physical force, dominated the entire year in the SEC against the run and the pass. Yeah, I do think there are some evaluators who said, you know, his pass rush ability might be more – middle road like Akeem Hicks kind of level but even still I you know what this is probably one of the safest guys to draft in this class you just know what you're getting out of him uh at least you know that's kind of what you get like, you know what you're gonna minimally get and you know maybe his upside might not be as high as some other players but you know what you're getting and uh again you know he's a tremendous interior presence is what they've said uh he's a leader He's just uh, – and Matt Rule mentioned, like, in his interviews with him, was like, dude, the great thing about the COVID thing was that, like, you could hop onto a Zoom call and get to know them in a different way. So, like, when the, the Jordan documentary came out, you just pick up the – you know, hit the Zoom call and be like, yo, so, like, what do you think about this? And it, I, Mar Matt Rule made a very big deal about, like, liking the, the less formal processes of this and getting to know guys as players and as people. I like that. I think that's a very interesting concept. I'm not sure that's, he's the only guy who's ever said that or done that. I know Matt, uh, Pete Carroll's another guy who's kind of like that. But it was very um, thought-provoking that he was like, no, I actually like that it was not as – he was more casual 
to be able to you know, just hit it up and be like, so like, what kind of movies you like, kind of deal, and be able to kind of warm into what what it's going to be like to live and work with this player for the next four or five years of his life. So uh, there was a rumor coming out. I don't know if it's true. It was reported by the Athletic that uh, Matt Rule actually wanted to trade down from seven. Uh, maybe they had an offer. Maybe they didn't. Maybe this was just a discussion. But he was very eager to trade down from seven, accumulate more picks, and try to build up this roster. Marty Herney apparently overruled him, which, aside from the potential pun there, is kind of odd, right? Because you thought, like, Matt Rule, you know, part of the whole, you know, him coming to the NFL is it was how to be his way or the highway. And there was even talks of Marty Herney being replaced by Andrew Barry in, you know, in the offseason, and that, that Marty Herney was not here for the long haul. So it was kind of intriguing that Marty Herney had, if this is a true story, that he had the ability to overrule Matt Rule with regards to the Derek Brown pick at seven. Um, as a GM, you'd want to have that ability because you're like, listen, man, this is my uh, my reputation's based off of drafting. Your your reputation's based off of coaching, and I'm going to draft you the players. And I feel like this is the safest thing we can do is take this guy. I'm very interested to see if this is true or not. You know, again, it's a report. I, but it, if there's already a little bit of dissension in the ranks, we already know Marty Herney's probably not there for the long haul. So how quickly does he get out of the building? Is he going to be retiring this year or next year? Is he going to be, you know, is there going to be like, hey, Matt Rule wants his guy in there? Are they going to go look for another guy? Given that, you know, more recently, this has been the time of year to go ahead and get rid of your general manager and recruit a new one. You know, except for a few exceptions in recent years, it's been very popular to wait till after the draft and then pick a new guy. I think it's, I think it might be better if you just get rid of him right away, you know, in, in some regards, because you look at what happened last year with McCagnan. Like, you gave him a, a full offseason free agency in the draft. You might, If you don't believe in a guy, you might as well get rid of him, is my personal feelings on it. Anyway, let's get back to their draft, though, right? Um, it still seems like uh, Matt Rule was very, like, very much appreciated the pick. Like he likes the player. I just think he had the idea of listen, if we had the potential to accumulate more players and picks and have guys under a cheap contract for a while, he would be very eager in that. So the the upside is is he they definitely like all these players that they took, right? So uh, we'll go to the next one. Uh, they go to edge rusher Yitzhak uh, Rosmatos. I didn't know his name was like like uh, like my toast, my toast. Uh, but anyway, uh, out of Penn State, edge rusher, uh, big dude, 266, high motor dude. Uh, Matt Rule talked about the production, always looking for guys who are versatile at pass rush. Like, you know, it could be a three tech, could be an edge rusher, uh, could be a strong side defensive end presence. And um, they didn't think he'd be there in the second round. They thought he wouldn't have gotten out of the first, but they were like, dude, we got a shot. We got this guy, too. This guy was basically a first-rounder on our board in some regards, or we thought he was at least valued that high. Um, they even looked at his high school because, again, like, actually, you know, the, the, the plus side of being a coach and having a lot of college coaches coming in here is that they were part of the recruiting process. So maybe it might have given the Panthers a little bit of an edge in uh, vetting some of these guys who they might have already had a chance to recruit uh, talk to their guys, you know, from the college ranks who they know in other schools, which everybody's done that. But I mean, you're hearing it. This is that was a big thing that they had to rely on without face to face. But then you also got to look at their high school tape because they again, a lot of these guys already looked at their high school tape. So they're kind of, especially with uh, Yader Grossmatos or Grossmatos, they uh, they had two guys that already kind of worked with him with Joe Brady, and they kind of like you know uh, uh, they tried recruiting him before at other schools, and they were like, listen, this is we kind of have an idea of who this guy is. So again, big thing about the Carolina Panthers, all defensive picks, right? All invested in the defensive uh, side of the ball, not a single offensive pick. They made a comment that that wasn't really the plan. Um, but again, here they're building up on the defensive line. Something that Matt Rule said is that, like, listen, you can't fix all the weaknesses, but what you can do is build on a strength. And we want to, if we're not going to be able to clear all the weaknesses year one, what we could do is maybe build up at least some partial strength here. And that's why they went D line both picks back to back, especially two very good high end players. Uh, they seem to favor both these guys very well uh, and just build upon the depth on that defensive line. And then their third pick, again, like I said before, they're all defensive players. They went Jeremy Chin, uh, safety out of SIU. 
And they, you know, they mentioned seeing him at the Senior Bowl and that he was big, fast, explosive, smart, and he's, you know, he could play impressed man. He was versatile. He could shut down tight ends and running backs. You could play him as a strong safety. You could play him as almost like a slot corner. Maybe you could even, you know, split him out wide. So, um, good defender. You know, uh, he was a multi-year captain. You don't find many guys on his side and, and speed. You know, they talked about him being a positionless player. Can utilize him in multiple places. This was something I thought was interesting as well because they talked about versatility the same way that Washington, Ron Rivera's team, talked about versatility, which was, hey, we're going to go ahead and get guys who, you know, A, you have to figure out what the guy next to you is doing anyway. And this is probably a big thing in coaching that you, you mix up where the guy's practicing to kind of get them an idea of the guy next to them's job, but also trying to get you on the field as quick as possible and find having a vision. That's what Matt Rule talked about, having a vision of the ways we can use you. That's how we talked about Chin. That's how we talked about Yitros Matos. That's how we talked about Derek Brown. Like he just he was like, listen, we have a vision for you. That's why we want you. We have a specific way we want to use you in our scheme. Um and they traded a fifth to get up and get Chin because they felt like he was not going to make it there in the six picks they had left. Uh, between their third-round pick and where he was in the second round. So they said, you know what, we'll go ahead, we'll trade up. And they didn't want to take the chance that he wasn't going to be there because he was very high on their board. So these are three guys they were very high on. They really liked these players, and they believe they got true starters out of all three of them. Um, again, and they said, uh, Rule made a point that given the, the state of the roster and the, the way it's going, is it, they're probably going to have to rely on their rookies a lot right out of the gate. Which is good if you're in a rebuild mode because you're getting them experience of being on the field, right? It's not, you know, you don't always want like 30, you know, you don't, you don't want a bunch of like 80-year-old guys, especially if you're kind of rebuilding anyway. Nobody's really playing in the NFL at 80, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, so like day, day one and day two, they were, they were really impressed with the guys that they got. They think they got real true players that building up the defensive side of the ball. And we'll talk a little bit what they did in free agency in a, in a moment. Uh, after we get done talking about their third, their their day three picks, but it, these three guys are very athletic, have a high upside, specifically with Yuta Gross Matos and Chin, and then Derek Brown was a very safe floor, but also a very big presence on a defensive line. You know what you're getting out of him. Um, so those three players are going to be very, very impactful, especially year one, because again, and they also mentioned a thing of wanting to have a cycle of guys. You're going to hear more about some of the defensive players that they took. They want to have a cycle of guys on the defensive line who they could play at multiple spots. Uh, on day three, their first pick on day three was Troy Pride Jr. Um, they had mentioned not wanting to reach. Like, they went for Jeremy Chin, played safety. It was more and more of a safety role in their defense. But they said, listen, but that was the best guy on the board. We didn't want to wait and maybe have to reach for somebody. And again, you want to take the best guy who, you know, you don't like it was funny because this is where um, this is where Rule talked about the, the concept of best player available. And he talked about best player available uh, within reason. Right. You're not going to reach for somebody um, right away. But, they you know, again, with this pick. So, you know, Troy Pride Jr., they felt like they had a really good pick. Right. They went ahead and they said, listen, you felt really good about him. Uh, he's from right down the road uh, they, if, in Notre Dame. Is very mature, played uh, a lot of football, had a maturity coming in, uh, he, and, and because he also has a track background. He said, "Listen, track guys—they're pure, you know—they're athletes, but they're serious about their athleticism. They're serious about their training. So when you go ahead and you get this guy and you go, hey, like you know, like he has a regimen. He knows what he's doing. He knows he runs, you know, X amount of day or how how he works out. So uh, getting a guy in like that, you know, has the maturity and he's going to come into training camp and he's going to compete." You know, again, he ran a four four two, and the and the scouts brought him up to him. They got to hang, spend time with him at the Senior Bowl. They were like, "Listen, this is a perfect guy for what we need to do." Uh, again, they, and then what they're looking for corners between like five eleven and six feet tall. They're looking for long, fast, athletic guys. But again, this is a guy who fit totally what they were looking for. Um, then came up Kenny Robinson out of West Virginia University, uh, XFL guy actually, right? One of the only XFL guys who was uh who was uh, up for the draft because of how his uh, eligibility worked. Uh, he had a couple of issues at WVU, so he, that's why he went to the XFL. And they they kind of they made sure to do groundwork on him, right? They spoke to his high school coaches. They talked to the head of operations at the school to see what happened. Um, 
they, they talked to his XFL coaches because those are the guys who had the most recent experience with him and had been dealing with him in a professional setting. So that gave them uh, a little bit of insight as to how he'll be in the NFL. Uh, they also made a point, I think Rule made an interesting point, which was, you know, A, you have to be careful with all the field issues, but with his issue, apparently a WVU, he was talking about, it was more of an academic issue. He didn't hurt anybody. He wasn't, like, causing massive problems. So, you know, they think maybe he, we all grow up, we age, we mature. So maybe that'll go ahead and he'll become a better person, right? Uh, th you know, they mentioned his unique ball skills and his play at both the college and pro level. And they were very intrigued by this player. And the fact that they got him in the fifth round was a really good deal for him. Um, again, uh, th they got to vet him in different ways. And they made sure to go to different levels to go ahead and reach out to people. This was the first time, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, right? It was the first time in the press conferences they made a big deal about reaching out to the high school coaches compared to the college coaches, right? And they mentioned it for multiple players. I thought that was intriguing. I thought that was kind of an interesting, maybe you're seeing the growth and development over that time frame and how people talk about you and your reputation. Like we heard before with a couple of other teams, they think they deal with the, you know, they think about the reputation of the school and how people there think of you. You know, when you're looking at this, you're going, oh, well, wait a second. Now these people are, uh, uh, are are talking to, like, high school, you know, coaches and stuff like that. Maybe you're going to see a little bit more of the – and I don't know if they did it with every player or they only did it with players who, you know, they, they had the comfortability of doing it with. But we heard it, we heard it with at least two players, right? Uh, then came Brave, Bravon Roy, who's out of Baylor. So we know Matt Rule knows him, right? Uh, big man who could play very fast and – was initially asked about like one technique, right? Like he's a, a nose tackle, one tech lines over the the shoulder of the center, and uh, or can you know really war over the shoulder of the center, and maybe play a zero tech if you're playing a three uh, three four. But in this situation, he's more of a one tech. Uh, uh, you know, they were looking at his size and w what blew Herney out of the water, especially when he talked to Rule and ha when they got to look at him at the East West Shrine game. And this is one of those things, again, about Matt Rule's ability to, um, because he's a college coach, had a little bit more insight about a specific player because this guy was not invited to uh, the Combine, but he was invited to the East-West Shrine game. So he made sure that Herney saw him at the East-West Shrine game and got, and got to see a little bit of his versatility. You know, they talked about having seven or eight guys who can all rotate and be, keep the team fresh. You know, add him to a rotation of Derek Brown. And you took Gross Matos and a couple of other people in their D line, and that, you know Quan Short, that they'll now have this very you know very versatile, very athletic pass rush, both from the interior and the out exterior of the the defensive line. Um, again, they they mentioned he's a really good athlete. Um, I believe what Rule said he had a uh, I thought he said he ran a four four eight with a four eight uh, a four eight forty. Which was like, whoa, that would be really good. I'm not quite sure, you know, like he might be, he might be fudging it a little bit because again, he drafted a, you know, a, a player he knew from college, so he's trying to make himself good, sound good. Um, but he's a powerful guy, and they mentioned you can't fix everything, but this helped them fix uh, build upon a strength. You can make a specific strength, and here they wanted the strength to be the defensive line. Like you know, if, if they can't get all the corners they want, they can't get all the offensive pieces, they can't get the offensive line. And in fact, they said, like, yeah, we might not have gone for an uh, 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 an offense. We might not. Uh, we might have went all defense, but that was not the particular thing that they were trying to do. Two of the positions they specifically mentioned were offensive line and tight end. They were actually eager to draft. They just the players that they liked at the specific rounds did not fall to them. Uh, so they want a healthy deep room at defense, uh, at defensive line, and they also drafted another corner, Stanley Thomas Oliver, out of FIU. Um, you know, Evan Cooper pointed him out to him at the combine, has everything, has all the skills of somebody that you might want to develop, you know, a nice athletic corner. So again, another guy who's going to you know, come in, compete for a spot on the roster, and they were very intrigued about what he can do. Um, so that was their draft, right? Very intriguing draft, all defense. It sounds like, a, you know, they're definitely, they're in this like kind of process mode, right? Year one of a new coach. I loved listening to Matt Rule and how he talked about his players and how he, he seems invested in players, right? Very much a, a, what you would call a player's coach, right? Um, t and talked about, you know, coaching guys up. Like, if we're getting you at this level, 
and we know your your sky level your level is here like we know what we can get you to that's our job to take you in and coach you up i like that thought process like we're starting to see a lot of the innovation and i like that with him there's other coaches in the nfl a lot of the new guys man this year has been the the new guy innovation chamber it feels like the new guys coming in seem to be bringing with them a level of innovation that especially when you're dealing with covid and this shortened off season maybe shortened season that they're tr intriguingly trying to figure out ways of you know attacking it if you will so um i mean matt rule did hint at a more defensive leaning draft in the presser beforehand uh you know uh, spoke about a vision about how they wanted to build the defense uh, again, I mentioned before, like positionless players uh, are a very key thing. By the way, one thing I noticed, Matt Rule could totally be played by Kevin James in a movie about his life. That's all I'm saying. Like, just I, I'm not saying Kevin James and him look alike. I'm saying Kevin James could play him in a movie. Very different things. Just like kind of that, like kind of heavy guy. He has the heavyish voice, but then like kind of oddly little light compared to what you were expecting. Like I was kind of what I felt with it, right? I, Kevin James has a deeper voice than him, but it was it was very intriguing to watch the the interview, and I'm just kind of like this guy reminds me of somebody. Um, again, you know, uh, talked about versatility, using him in multiple ways, having a vision. Um. You know, Chin can be used multiple ways. Gitagros Matos can be used multiple ways. They want to know what the guys are into, right? And that's what, you know, like the, I was saying before, they were talking about the video conferencing, less scripted, great move. Um, let's see. You know, the, the key thing for them is they stuck to the process, right? Yeah, they went 7-for-7 seven seven with defense. That wasn't their plan. Um, They were all on the same page the whole time. And, uh... You know, they were talking about the UDFAs, like, dude, this is where we're going to get starters, like Robbie Anderson, a guy who came out of te uh, uh, Temple, who was a Matt Rule player, you know, came out of, uh, came out and was an undrafted free agent, would reach back out to his college coach, and he's like, listen, we know this is where we're going to get players in UD, uh, you know, in free agency as the undrafted free agents. So let's talk a little bit about the, the offseason up to this point, right? So... We know Joe Brady. I've mentioned I did a looking into the the future with this team before. Um, talked about Joe Brady. His offense can be very similar to maybe a Sean McVay uh, style offense. Um, you know they extended Christian McCaffrey, right? I did when that happened. I did the running backs episode, and I said, typically I'm not for extending running backs, but when you look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey. There might be value there, right? A, you're extending him and he still has two years left on his deal. There's value to that. Um, so when people were saying, oh, it's such an expensive deal, well, when you, when you look at it, it's the four new years that have a lot of money on them. But when you look at it across the whole six years, on average, it's a lot cheaper. So that, that was something that I felt like needed to be pointed out with people who were talking about the Christian McCaffrey thing, plus what he gives you as a pass catcher as a slot option is very valuable. So I liked the signing. I like the extension. If you can utilize him the right way I, and keep utilizing him the right way, I, I think extending him was the right move. I think he's one of the few that it is the right move because of what he gives you in the passing game. Hell, you could only play him at slot, cor uh, slot receiver, and he's giving you something more than your typical running back contract. And slot receivers in the NFL can go for 8 to $10 million anyway. So when you're expending that much on the slot receiver and that much on the running back, and by the way, now you're just paying like what a million dollars more for the matchup problem that he creates. Oh, it's uh, yeah. I felt like that was a good signing. So good on them for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they signed Bridgewater, right? Teddy Bridgewater, uh, formerly the Vikings, formerly of the um, uh, of the Saints. Got his a little bit of start last year. Uh, plays. I know, people keep on using the game manager mode kind of thing to say about him. Uh, Matt Rule made a point, like, listen, man, I played against him when he was at Louisville and I was at Temple, and it was, he was a good player. Like, he really appreciated his game back then, too. So, uh, you know, he he was very uh, appreciative that they were able to sign him. Uh, Joe Brady, you know, again, had some experience with Bridgewater when he was with the Saints. They think that he's going to be a good leader for them and help usher in this team into you know what they want to make of it so you know Bridgewater they got for the right price for the right deal and that's just kind of how it all worked out Bridgewater's price was like 20 million that was perfect for him over three years great um Robbie Anderson they went ahead and signed him in free agency 
kind of, you know, sets up the story of, hey, you know, we wanted a fast receiver. He's got a good relationship with Matt Rule. Like I said before, Matt Rule seems to have really good relationships with people. Like, again, this is a player's coach. This reminds me of Jim Caldwell. If you took Jim Caldwell or a uh, Doug Marone, but you made them maybe a little bit more analytically sensitive, I feel like that's how you get what you get with Matt Rule. Uh, and that that's an intriguing concept. And that is a not like there's not players coaches and not the but like that's a it's an intriguing concept of having a guy who, yeah, he's a players coach, but he's also like into the whole like listen, this is what we're gonna do on fourth down. This is how I'm gonna you know, trading down, accumulate trying to make your team better through this process. So he uh I, I really like the interviews. I uh, I like where this team is going, right? I initially was really skeptical. Like any uh, anybody who now I liked Joe Brady, and I even said I thought there was a good shot that they were going to go ahead and uh, try to trade up for Joe Burrow. Granted, Bengals were never going to do that anyway. But I like Joe Brady. I think I, I believe what he's going to do as far as the offense goes. You know, coming from the Saints, coming from the LSU offense that went ahead and blew up the college football world, I think that they have a, a nucleus here uh, of players that they can uh, – players and coaches that are going to be long-term pieces of their, you know, organization. Uh, also, it happened in the offseason. They traded away Trey Turner. They – for Russell Okung, so they, they shore up their tackle spots. They got Taylor Moten on the right side. They got Russell Okung on the left side. A uh, couple of questions at guard. That's probably why they were looking at guard in the draft, and uh, they missed out on a guy or two that they really wanted at offensive line. So that happens. I do believe they have a lot of pieces there, right? You look at their guard. You know, they did. They have uh, John Miller. He was formerly on the Bengals in the, in the San Francisco. Uh, Taylor Moten. You know, I feel like. I feel like they're still trying to figure out the offensive line situation. They signed a Showfield, formerly of L.A. Chargers. Um, they got a couple of guys uh, as far as uh, UDFAs uh, that they went ahead and attacked as far as uh, uh, for offensive line. Brandon Bowen, uh, Mike Horton, Frederick uh, Maugo, a bunch of uh, – again, that was – it feels like when they walked out of that draft, they said, okay, we went a lot on defense. Now use the UDFA process to go for offense. That's what we're going to do. Their receiving room's amazing, right? Imagine having a receiving core of Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. That's a lot of speed. Then DJ Moore, who is a great run after the catch guy. Basically, they play, like he's the closest thing that they've had to Steve Smith Sr. since he left. So now you have three receivers who are really good. Um, tight end is Ian Thomas, right? Basically, Ian Thomas, a bunch of Jags. I think that's why they were looking at potentially upgrading the, the tight end room. Didn't happen. They did trade away Kyle Allen, so it's really Bridgewater and Will Greer and P.J. Walker, former XFL star. Um, and then, again, at center they have Matt Paradis, guy who was formerly of the Denver Broncos, got, uh, gotten in free agency last year. They've built up this team a lot. Um, a lot of versatile, interesting players. Greg Little also is there, too. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, that offense is very intriguing because – Honestly, like, because this is the thing that I had an issue with when you're telling me they're rebuilding, is I didn't think this is a team that really needed to rebuild. Like, there's some teams that you think, okay, like, they could definitely use the reset button, and potentially this might be a good thing. For instance, the Jacksonville Jaguars probably was a team that needed a reset button at that point because their team kind of aged out. They had uh, the opportunity to get a couple of uh, first-round picks. There were guys who just would not re-sign with them, so this was the time for them to go ahead and click the button and go, we're done, and we're going to go ahead and recreate what we need. Um, defensively is, I think, why they focused on defense in the draft, because you look at other guys who are on the roster, and you know, you know they, they have Quan Short and Brian Burns, and that was about the extent of the guys who you really probably like. You know, again, um, Luke Keekley left in you know in retirement. Uh, they also got a uh, Tahir Whitehead, who eh, uh, going to be a linebacker guy, kind of competing for a role. Uh, Shaq Thompson's probably the main linebacker there now, and it sounds like they're going to utilize uh, you know a bunch of the the safeties there. They also got Trey Boston, guy who they actually signed to an extension finally gets a real extension, not just a one-year deal. 
Uh, and then you look at their their corners, Corn Elder, Elder uh, Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson's been pretty decent for them. And that's why they've been drafting a lot of guys who were like, you know, in the late rounds for corner because they just didn't see one that was there on their board. Thought that was a, a good move on their end to try and attack that spot. And again, if you really are in this rebuild mode, it means that you're going to be competitive, but you're probably not making it all the way to the playoffs next year. And it gives you a chance to maybe get another guy next year relatively high. So, I, again, this is going to be a rebuild year. I actually don't think they're as bad as people think. I think the O-line in the corner room is the big question mark. I like this draft. I like what they, the mindset they went into this with. Like again, if you and initially you might look at it and you go, that's a little confusing. They just went all defensive players. Look, they're all okay. They went offensive players. Um, I'm a little, I'm just more shocked they didn't trade down and accumulate picks or try to build up for next year. But they got a lot of great pieces here, so I liked it. I like the draft. I'm actually very, I'm more invested in Matt Rule. You know, I, you know, again for me, I was very turned off by getting rid of Ron. I, I feel like he's like Ron Rivera. If Ron Rivera liked um, analytics more, so and Ron Rivera wasn't totally turned off from analytics, but he was definitely a different kind of coach than Matt Rule looks at some of the stuff. Although, again, both talked about a lot of similar things: cross uh, cross training. Um, taking guys to their next level. I liked it. I like this draft. I like the players. I think there's a lot they can do here with this team. And uh, that's it, man. That was both the Bengals and the Panthers. Uh, tune in next time for where we do another team or two, right? And uh, if you want to follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, uh, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram, you can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of life, punch like that delicious drink. And uh, like, follow, subscribe, comment, and sing. And look for the other videos. I've done a bunch of them. I'm going to put the playlist and a bunch of the videos in the, you know, for the other teams that I've done so far. If you like this weirdness that I do. And, uh, I woke up this morning feeling pretty dangerous. Okay. 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 Okay.